Until Thursday, I was going to be preaching this morning on Mary anointing Jesus, um, and then something changed, and I thought we'd spend some time reflecting on the story of Joseph. Joseph, his coat, and his dreams. If you've been with us over the past while, you'll know that we have had Joshua's walls, we've had Ruth's radical redemption, we've witnessed Esther's timing, we have encountered the famous haircut of Samson. We have faced the giants in the story of David and Goliath. We have encountered talking donkeys. We have talked boats and rainbows and rain. And today we're talking dreams, coats, and jealous brothers. It was red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and vaughn and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve, and cream and crimson and silver and rose, and azure and lemon and russet and gray, and purple and white and pink and orange, and red and yellow and green and brown, and scarlet and black and ochre and peach, and ruby and olive and violet and vaughn, and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve, and cream and crimson and silver and rose, and azure and lemon and russet and gray, and purple and white and pink and orange. And boy, did Joseph look smart. He was a walking work of art. Well, according to Andrew Lloyd Webber, anyway. So here we are having another... I'm surprised I got through that list of colors. So here we are having a look again at what we're calling some of the Bible's most colorful characters. And what we're hoping to do with this series is to paint a picture, to give an overview of someone's life, and then ask, how does that apply to me as I try to live out this faith in the world around me, as I stumble and fumble through my own individual settings, circumstances, and families. But the hope is that once you've heard the overview, that you'll then maybe spend some time engaging with the story for yourself and asking, was there anything new that I heard in the story this time? And what in the story, if anything, makes me want to live my life differently. The Bible's colorful characters. It would be fair to say that Joseph is probably the most colorful of all the colorful characters we'll look at, and he's probably the one I identify with the most. I have serious coat envy. And as we have seen with all the other characters we have encountered, there are two ways of approaching the story. We can look at what is being said the words, the language, the tone, the dialogue, the interactions between people. Or we can ask an interesting question, why is it being said? And if we allow ourselves to ask the latter question, we can always encounter something new in the story. And in addition to looking at why what is being said is being said, sometimes some stories are just worth telling and retelling and retelling. And I think that's the case with the stories that we have encountered in this series. Because no matter how familiar we are with the story, we make a mistake if we think that we know everything about it and it can never speak to us again. The story of Joseph as we find it in Scripture is a long story. In fact, the story begins here in chapter 37, but it doesn't end here. It keeps going with unfolding drama, 
and detail and famine. And actually, the story of Joseph is the story that brings us to the very end of the book of Genesis in chapter 52. There's a lot going on in the life of Joseph. So when you're looking at any character, I think a good place to start is by asking yourself, so who is Joseph? Because somebody once said to start at the very beginning is a very good place to start. So what do we read in the text? Well, we read that Joseph is actually the second youngest son of 12, sorry, that Joseph is actually the second youngest of 12 brothers that are all fathered by Jacob. But is that all that we read? Look at the text again. We read that Joseph was a young 17-year-old. So we enter the Joseph story not as we do with the story of Jesus at the very beginning or even before the beginning as we read in John chapter 1, but by the time we encounter Joseph, he's 17 years old. He's already had 17 years of growing Um, And if the narrator starts the story here, well, maybe we need to ask ourselves, has nothing of any real note gone on before now? Or is this where the action really kicks off? And where does the story of Joseph begin? Well, it begins with a coat, but we'll come back to that shortly. Joseph was a young 17-year-old. Now, we know that 17 is young. Many of us probably remember being 17, and maybe even some of us pine to be 17 again. So why this emphasis by the narrator on the word young? Well, often when we encounter it in Scripture, it's actually being used to refer to babies. So why is Joseph at 17 being tarred with this brush? Could it be that the point that the narrator is trying to get across is Joseph is actually quite immature. And if he's immature at this point, could the narrator be asking us to watch out, to look for moments, instances, when that immaturity actually develops into maturity? So there's more going on here when we look to see not just what is being said, but potentially maybe why it is being said. So we've fleshed out a little of the detail about who is Joseph, but then what are we to make of his coat? Well, what do we read in the text? Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made a special robe with long sleeves, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and couldn't speak peaceably to him. The story of Joseph is rich in wonderful details and makes a great read. But Joseph is perhaps remembered most for his clothing, that particular garment that he wore. You know the one I mean, the coat of many colors that you learned about in Sunday school. But if you've noticed in our reading this morning, there's actually no mention of a coat of many colors. Rather, we encounter a coat with long sleeves. So what's going on here? Well, what we have here is one of those instances in which, which happen occasionally in Scripture where an older translation or version has been updated. Because if any of you are familiar with the King James Version, you will actually encounter a coat of many colors in that translation. 
But modern scholars have suggested that maybe it might be better to describe the coat as a coat with long sleeves. Doesn't sound as impressive as a Technicolor dream coat, does it? But there's actually something going on when we look at this to represent a coat with long sleeves. Because in an ancient world where many people were farmers or laborers, you don't want sleeves long on your coat that would get in the way. So only people of respectability, people like gentlemen and rulers, would have worn a coat with long sleeves. So a coat with long sleeves, then, is a pretty special gift. So is Jacob singling out here Joseph and saying to him, do you know what, kid? I see something pretty unique in you. Or is Jacob saying, look, I'm putting the hope and my future of this family in you, Joseph. It would seem quite possible, some scholars would argue. But leaving the coat aside, read that verse again. What are we to make of the comment that Jacob loved Joseph the most because he was the child of his old age? Well, what has old age got to do with anything? And considering uh, Joseph wasn't the youngest, because the text constantly stresses that Joseph was actually the second youngest, so should Jacob not actually love the younger brother more because he was born to him in even older age? See, yet again... When we look at the text and focus not on what is being said, but why it's being said, we see that there's something more going on beneath the surface. Old age, just a number. For the original hearers and readers, the mind would make an automatic connection. That old age is often associated with wisdom. Could the text actually be saying that Jacob loved Joseph because he was wise or because he was intelligent? Well, yet again, for some biblical scholars, that's a possibility. So we're getting quite the picture of Joseph by the time we get to this point. Joseph is the second son, second youngest son. He's 17, but he's a young 17, And his father gives him a coat because potentially he sees in him wisdom or intelligence. Farming is not where this boy is going to end up like the rest of the brothers. This boy is instead going to do something with his life. Can you see then why there's a constant refrain in the text that Joseph's brothers hated him? But the coat is only part of the story, because the coat is automatically followed by talk of dreams. Joseph tells his brothers that I had this dream, and guess what? You're all buying down to me. And then he comes back the next day, and guess what? He's had another dream. And not only are all the brothers buying down to him, but now mum and dad are too. Yet again, we meet the refrain, Joseph's brothers hated him. The brothers don't like Joseph's dreams, so they resolve to do away with him. They take his coat, throw him into a pit, and they ponder what to do. One of the brothers, Reuben, the oldest, tried to think of a way to stop the brothers in their evil plan. But surely Reuben knew that they were going to have to answer to Jacob, and that killing Joseph wouldn't actually solve anything 
Because when does killing someone really solve anything? Perhaps Reuben in the story senses that. So he suggests that they, instead of killing Joseph, sell him as a slave. His idea maybe was to buy some time and come back and rescue Joseph from the pit and get him back home. But what happens next in the text is actually a little garbled. Because while Reuben is away, the others take Joseph from the pit and sell him to some traders who who are on their way to Egypt. And what's the price? 20 pieces of silver is agreed for this young man who'll make a fine slave. And they watch their new purchase heading off into the distance. Can you imagine the joy on their faces? That's the last we're going to have to deal with that dreamer. But what do you do next? They dip the coat in blood and they take it back to the father and Jacob the father buys the whole story and he thinks his beloved son is dead. And that's the end of the story or at least it should be. Joseph is sold off down the river, good riddance, Jacob thinks he's dead, and who knows, with the life expectancy of slaves not being that great, Joseph probably wouldn't last that long anyway. They'd never know, and the brothers don't care. Except there is one last verse of the scripture that indicates that this is not the end of the story in chapter 37, because we read, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, a captain of the guard of the king of Egypt. And if you know this story, as many of you do, those few words open up a whole other bigger story that is far from finished here. It's a story that will involve other garments. The the garment that Potiphar's wife will try to grab as she tries to seduce Joseph. And the princely robe that the king will place on Joseph when his former slave ascends to the dizzying heights of power. The story of Joseph. So what are we to do with this story? How can it apply to us as we try to live our lives? Is there anything in this story that we can take away that will make us want to live our lives differently in the world around us? I suppose as I was reading the story this week, the line that constantly stuck out to me was, let us kill him and we'll see what will become of his dreams. Let us kill him and we'll see what will become of his dreams. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word dream, I often think of Martin Luther King, and King famous for his speech that he told about a dream that he had of a day when former slaves and former slave owners would sit down together, a dream where children wouldn't be judged on the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And there were those who found that dream intolerable and unbearable. There there were those who didn't want to see a nation renewed and racism overcome by reconciliation. There were some who were so extreme in their views that they wanted to kill him, and they did. Sound familiar? Let us kill him, and we'll see what happens to his dreams. 
Now, the thing with dreamers often is that we think of them as people who really just have their heads in the clouds. And maybe they're a little bit out of touch with reality. But sometimes it's actually the dreamers who see the reality all too clearly. Being a dreamer isn't always harmless. You can get into trouble for dreaming of a new world because there are plenty of people who like the old world the way it is. But church, this morning, we are called to be dreamers. We are called to look at the world differently. We're called to look at the world and see it through the kingdom lens. Dream, dream big, dream big and then even bigger. And what, church, if, what, if we not only dream, but wake from our dreams and try to put them into practice, to help others catch the vision that this isn't how it necessarily has to be. There is an alternative. Dream of a world for weary travelers to feel safe. Dream of a world where people feel regardless, we're sorry, where people regardless feel loved and accepted. Dream of a world that focuses not on what we have, but what we have to share. Dream of a world that is different, and then be part of bringing that world into reality. However that might look in your individual family situation, however that might look in the office or the playground or the cafe, however that might look in all those different aspects and areas of your life. Dream and be dream bringers, because once you show that things can actually be different, you'll be amazed by how many others will want to dream with you and bring that into reality with you. The challenge this morning, Joseph, the story about a coat and a couple of dreams and angry brothers, or actually a a call for us to live differently, to be salt and light, to bring the kingdom in Belfast as it is in heaven, to be each one of us agents of social and spiritual change as we walk the streets of our city. And as you've watched TV and the news over recent days, weeks, and months, this is a city that needs transformed Why not let us continue to be engaged with, continue to be involved with being kingdom bringers on the streets around us? Joseph, the dreamer, I think I'm with Joseph today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again um, for being able to encounter the stories that you have recorded in Scripture for us. And we are once again challenged by the challenge of what it means to live out our faith in the world around us. Sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes that can be very difficult. Sometimes that takes us to places that maybe we don't want to go or haven't gone before. Help us today. Equip us challenge us, stir us to be dreamers, but not just to lie in our beds dreaming, 
but to go out into the world and make that dream a reality through the power of your spirit, encouraged by your love, strengthened by your mercy, and controlled by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.